Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the Nightingale Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Nightingale's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, talking all things transfers. The transfer window is approaching in just over a couple of months' time. Teams gearing up to strengthen in mid-season or try and offload some unwanted players that they have on their books currently in mid-season. We're fresh off the back of another Premier League weekend where Manchester United crashed to further lows, to further depths. And uh, I can imagine that they will be one of the teams looking to do something in the January transfer window. But Graham, what about Borough? Anything from Middlesbrough's side? Um, Not amazingly. Though we, we went on a good run, came to an end at the weekend after eight wins in a row. So we're back into playoff contention. But it's an issue that Premier League watchers don't, aren't really aware of or see that the relegated teams from the Premier League now are properly dominating the Championship now. We've seen it probably the third year in a row now where we saw Fulham a couple of seasons ago, Burnley last season where one team is running away with it. This season, I think, you will see the th- for the first time ever the three relegated teams running away with it. Leicester... Um, I predicted them to to dominate along with Southampton. They're getting it together now. And Leeds, who a lot of people thought might drop mm. off. Um, a few signings, you know, Joe Perot, Glenn Kamara. Players who other championship clubs, like my own Middlesbrough, could only dream of signing. You know, Glenn Kamara coming from Rangers. Joe Perot, who was on a lot of Premier League radar. Leeds have brought him in and they're flying now. Crenshaw, Somerville playing so well. Melian yeah, James, who's been yeah, Melian United. Melian from Germany. You know, two, and... That's a £35 million striker. I know. <laughs> so I think those three will run away with it. It still gives us a chance to get into the playoffs, but I think those three will dominate and, and we'll see how it goes. Obviously, I, I am, as a Middlesbrough fan, keeping a close eye on West Ham. We don't have Toby today for an irons in the fire, but... You know, if um, if David Moyes keeps this up, I'm going to get very worried being a Middlesbrough Michael Carrick fan. Michael Carrick, formerly of West Ham, formerly of Manchester United, both of their managers, potentially sliding towards, not the exit door, but trouble. Eric Ten Hag's mm. in a bit of trouble anyway at the moment. We'll talk about that at the top of the show. We'll talk about Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos's position on his management at United. We'll talk Jaden Sancho again and where he might be likely to go in January. We'll talk a bit of Kevin De Bruyne, a transfer target for Man City and Chelsea, who will be playing in the Copa Libertadores final this weekend. We'll talk Chelsea and their goalkeeping situation and even their striking situation as well. And yes, as I mentioned, we will look ahead to the Copa Libertadores final as well because there could be some players featuring in that game, who will end up in Europe within the next few months. But please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders and at Graham Bailey, nightingmin.com for all the latest from us, nightingmin.com forward slash talking transfers for all the latest transfer news and at nightingmin underscore football on the social media channels as well. United lost 3-0 at home to Man City. Could have been worse. Could have been a lot worse. And, uh, Eric Ten Hag is the latest in a long line of managers to hit this <clears throat> roadblock, in a sense, or feel the pressure kind of turn back on him. It's happened, what, not even 18 months into his reign, really. Uh, this is a habit that seems to follow United around with each manager that they have at some point, 18 months in, two years in, three years in, or whatever. 
Uh, Graham, where do they stand on Eric Ten Hag's position at the moment? Bearing in mind that the club is also on the verge or leading into a potential change of sporting direction with the ownership situation. Yeah, I think with Ten Hag, our understanding is Scott that he's, he's not under immediate pressure. So Jim Ratcliffe is a huge fan. The, the whole Ineos crew who are going to come in don't see Eric Ten Hag as a major drawback, a major problem at this moment in time. I think there are other things that need fixing at United in that footballing department and directly above. So the Richard Arnold, the John Murters of this world, yeah, they, they look as if they're entering the final legs of their United careers. They had Things have not gone well under their stewardship, so I don't think they've got any complaints at all, Scott. Yes, Eric Ten Hag has to take some responsibilities, but he, the squad he inherited, the situation, all very difficult. I think Leicester managers would have capitulated even more, Scott. You know, I'm, you know, I wasn't a fan of what happened in the summer, but I think that I'm not sure how much Ten Hag um, could push in the summer. You know, obviously he had his he had his say, but he's not used to. He's come from the Ajax system as well. So someone said to me, you know, he's he's not he's not a, he's not an English manager in that term of term. Anyway, he's not one of these who runs the club from top to bottom. He hasn't come from that system. He's not used to it. So why would he do it at United? That's not what he's from and not what he's used to. Yeah, he will recommend players. But the, the way it's been run at the moment is down to Arnold and Merger, and that's going to change. And so I think, yeah, a lot of United fans are not happy with Glazer's thing, Scott. But I see this as a huge positive for Sir Jim. He's going to come in. Dave Brailsford, um, Aaron Sainz, is going to look into the... The issues surrounding the club, sporting-wise, he's got um, Blanc, John Claude Blanc, is it the, the former PSG guy yeah. who's yeah. who, who's who's who, it will be commercial, but he's got this his history of running PSG at that level. So experienced campaigners know what they're doing. Paul Mitchell, who knows from Jim Ratcliffe, a wonderful talent spotter. He really is. He did an excellent job at Monaco and Red Bull and Southampton, Tottenham before that. He's a he's a very big talent. So I think there's positives there for United. You did allude to the fact about January, Scott. I don't think United are going to be doing much in January for, for a number of reasons. You know, they, they need to get players out. FFP, they are close to the FFP barrier here. They spent an awful lot of money in the summer. Obviously, as I said, in the summer, Scott, I, and I'm not being wise in hindsight, I didn't like a lot of the business, as you know, that United did. I thought they overpaid for almost every player. And, and some of them just didn't fit the system. However, that does mean that in January they haven't got an awful lot to do. They could have raised money, but we know McTominay and Maguire are, are right back in with the reckoning now, and so they should. They're not. They're stepping up to the plate, both of those players, McTominay especially, looking very good in, as as a as an attacking midfielder at times. So I don't think either of them two are going anywhere anytime soon, which isn't a major shock, because um, neither of them wanted to leave anyway. Scott did they? Even if they were available. They didn't want to leave anyway, which is part of the problem in the summer. The one player who we will come on to who is a possibly available is Jaden Sancho. But again, again, is he going to be sold? Probably not. It's going to be a loan deal. That will free up space in the squad and assets in terms of money. But, you know, I don't see, I don't know what you think, I, but I don't, from what I'm hearing as well, I don't see United doing an awful lot. They're being linked after all these sorts of players. I think they'll be building towards the summer. I don't think Ineos will come in. They probably might may not get the proper hands-on control until late December anyway, if not mm. early January. So I don't think it's set up. I don't think there'll be any knee-jerk reactions. I think, don't get me wrong, I think if Terry Ten Hag sees, says to Sir Jim, I need this and that, they'll put Mitchell onto it, Paul Mitchell onto it, who we think is coming in. 
and the look at it, but I don't expect an awful lot from United. I just don't think they're in a position, Scott, to do an awful lot. Yeah, yeah we say that. And I mean, we're, we obviously mentioned there that Ten Hag is, the pressure is growing on him. And I'm seeing that, you know, it's, it's certainly the, there was a, a lot of booze for mm-hmm. switching Rasmus Hoyland at the weekend. The social media noise, as it always is, uh, grows with each defeat. Uh, I'm not sure how much the sentiment has swayed against Ten Hag, but it's definitely swayed a little bit. It's but... the old, do you think it's the old Trafford performances, though, Scott? We've seen the Brentford performance, even though they won, the Palace defeat, the Brighton defeat. These home performances well, are really the, not helping. Yeah, the, the performances and the style are coming into question. And He's obviously done mm. an interview with a, a, a Scandinavian media over the weekend talking about how you'll never play the Ajax style of play at United because mm. he doesn't have the players to do it. And that was quite interesting. Uh Seemed like a point. He needs to say that, Scott, doesn't he? Because yeah. since when we, even when we were debating this when he first came in last year, we weren't sure, and we didn't think. To be fair, and, and you and me, you didn't. He was never going to come in and play that Ajax style anyway. But by now, you should have perhaps had more of an idea of what the plan was. Well, going I think forward. I know what the style is, and it seems to be playing on the the mistakes of other uh, opposition teams. I and mean, we saw that in the first few minutes against City, where they did catch them out a couple of times on the ball. Mm-hmm. Um. But that can't be all of it, you know? And I think this is the problem that United fans are starting to have with him. But to look back, I mean, talking about their financial position, are they even in a position to pay off Eric Ten Hag and sack him? Do you, do, yeah, do you that, that would, yeah, that that would be that would be certainly an issue. Yeah, that's a, and a consideration. I don't think it's a consideration for Sir Jim, Brailsford, Blanc, uh, et al, plus Mitchell when he comes. I don't think that's a consideration. I think they want to... You know they've been raised, so Jim. They, they've been raised with under under Sir Alex and and David Gill, and they've seen how a good club is run. If they only need look over the way at Manchester City. Um, it's not just about transfers, Sam. It's for the way it's been built from the top down. That that club. Um, it's envy of many in Europe, not just because of the transfers, but because you know they've got the, the two guys, um, Tixi, etc., and then down to Pep. Soriano as well. And they, yeah, obviously it's the way it's been built. two or three years before they even appointed him as well. Yeah, exactly. So, I I th- I think I think Ten Hag, for want of a better phrase, I think he's got a free pass this season, Scott. I really do. The off the field stuff, you know, it, it, he I think he's done well with it being distraction. You know, I think he needs to be a bit guarded on what he says after games. Like for I think I saw some quotes saying suggesting United won the up after the defeat the weekend. You yeah, know, that, just, that was interesting. I, I think he needs to handle. I, I was at. I was at the Etihad um, when they had, when they got played off the park, and he was. I liked it. He's, he's brutally frank, and I like that. You know, don't 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 put his guard up and say, you know. Some are, some are suggesting he's even softened, though. That they they are, um, and I think that was one of the endearing factors about him last year. He was actually really frank, and he was getting mm. reactions out of players. But now it seems like his stance has softened a little bit. He's just essentially submitted from playing any style of play that. We we know him for, mm. uh, and I, I know it's fair fair to say you adjust to the players that you've got, and you play you play slightly differently. I know he did it at Utrecht as well before he even moved to Ajax and played different systems, this kind of thing. But you know, I think regard no matter what, he's not getting enough out of the players that he's got. But I no. think that is to to remove a manager in that situation is just removing twenty uh, percent of the problem because you have to deal mm. with. The actual issue, the actual root causes of the issue. I think that's what a point the guy Neville's tried to make over the last few days. I, I'm firmly in that camp as well. Uh, and the sporting direction, 
is a good start. Obviously, they're also a, near a billion pound in debt as well. You've got the debt uh, that the Glazers have uh, leveraged onto the club. Then you've got about two, three hundred million pounds that the club actually owe to other clubs for transfers mm. that they haven't paid off yet. That won't impact them going forward. I don't think I don't think impact United going forward, though, Scott. Well, you know, if they want a player, they'll go and get him. I think FFP affects all clubs, and we've seen it with Man City. New, when we talk about Newcastle going forward, um, the, re- the, the reason they are possibly going for PIF players is because of financial fair play. It's not because it's easy, but it might end up being that. But I think there's a lot of a lot of issues around FFP, and a lot of clubs are gonna are gonna have to have to cope with it um and it's gonna be a fascinating 18 months but especially for ten Hag. but i think he needs to yeah um it's an interesting one because we saw with him the the players that brought in and i questioned the mason mount signing at the time and more and the fee as well and i just don't see where he impacts it but is was he a ten Hag signing i'm not i'm still not i'm still not convinced he was a ten Hag signing i think he was an opportunist signing from the I think it might have been dependent on, based on what Ten Hag is trying to do at United, which is essentially press high and mm. prey on opposition mistakes. I, I just don't it's understand so direct, the, I, why not play. I, I don't understand this obsession of playing Fernandez right, who you know, no matter yeah, what about Fernandez, I think he's a, I think he's a disgraceful United captain, but he's better centrally. I think Mount should be playing on the right. We saw Mason Mount was an exceptional player at Chelsea doing that in that same system, Scott, closing down on the right. Um, unless it's part of his, the reason he moved was he wanted to play centrally for United. Um, but yeah, but I think it's one where I see he gets a free pass, Ten Hag. I think he will, but he's gonna he's gonna have to answer for these results um, going forward from now and next summer. I think um, he. I think the good thing from United's point of view with 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 anything with with Sir Jim in charge from now on. Everyone at the club is going to have to answer to him, and and not not just knee jerk. He's not going to be come down everyone like a ton of bricks, but strategically, sporting wise, you're going to have to answer answer for what's going on on the pitch and off it. So uh, that is it's in process at the moment, and I'm sure we should see those changes coming on down the line. There have been, I think we're, we're writing a piece as well, Graham, about the. Obviously, Ten Hag has had a lot put on him in terms of you. Hey, you decide the players that you want, and we'll go and pay well over the odds for them. Uh, you know that's mm-hmm. happened. I'm sure there's a bit of a mix. I think Holland was a more a scouting department sign in this kind of thing. But obviously, if you're bringing in Paul Mitchell and you have people who've run other clubs previously, and Paul Mitchell especially is probably going to take ownership of the transfer. Mm-hmm. recruitment processes when if and when he's appointed and that should take some pressure well, and, off and plus you have Hag. that and you have Ten Hag who's used that that's that's the the, yeah. that's the European system so you've got I think the good thing for Mitchell and and Ratcliffe you've got a manager there who's used that system that's how he operates he's used to that and that's probably something that Ten Hag wasn't used to in the summer why like he, he probably spent far too much time talking to Murtagh and, and Arnold saying oh just get on with why, 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 why do I have to be involved in everything? It's your job. Go and do it. And I think, I think it'll help Ten Hag clearly going forward. Yeah, um, we'll touch on Jaden Sancho in a second. But like one, one of the big things you noticed in the City versus uh, United game, all those City players are very comfortable taking taking the ball under pressure, dribbling out of space, finding space, picking a pass under pressure, uh, working the ball into dangerous areas transitioning with the ball through midfield. United have not bought players like that. They, they don't have, especially in midfield, they don't have those profiles of players who are able. I think it's, I think more, more so than just that one specific style of player. They, them players are, players are in that City team to play to that, style, to play that way, to play to that, that style. 
and and I think that's that that would that way that is significant. And I don't think you have to buy players like that, but if that's the way you want to play, you do. But how you want to play, you have to have the players to match up to that. Um, and, and you're right, I think that's very clear, and and it shows it shows up. And obviously, well, the frightening thing about City, and we'll talk about him later in the show, they didn't even have the best player on the pit. And uh, Kevin De Bruyne sat in the stand watching that. It's frightening to think what they, what they've done with him in the team. Didn't even really get out of third gear, did they? But uh, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk, Jaden Sancho. Uh, mm. We mentioned exits in January. Make him the likely only one, Graham. And how could that happen? And where could he go? Yeah, we talked about him um, quite a bit. Um, it, it, United would like to sell. Obviously, that's not going to happen. If he decides he wants to go to Saudi Arabia, yes, he can go there. Is he going to do that? I find it very hard to imagine him going to Saudi Arabia, Scott. I don't think he will. He had a chance to go in the summer and he didn't. I think he'll he'll have a choice. Uh, we, we know there's interest um, in Germany, back at Dortmund. There's other clubs as well, but I think Dortmund uh, leading the way. Interesting at Dortmund, and we, we've done a story about German sister site as well today about the, the case of um, Jamie Bino-Gittens, who may be available for loan. We've obviously spoke previously about Yusuf Makuku might be available for loan as well. Kareem Adeyemi. There is issues in that. Dortmund have had a decent start of the season. Not great, but decent. But there is issues in, with them going forward. And that's why they want Sancho. I think that's the thing people have to remember. Yeah, they love Sancho. He's a player who they like and they want to bring back. But it's not just in terms of wanting to bring him back because he's, he's a friend. He will bring something to that Dortmund squad, which they are lacking a little bit. You know, we've seen so... An interesting um, Bino Gittins has the same agent as Sancho. So they're aware that he's trying to move on. Um, he might go on loan to another German team or in England. But with Sancho, it's a fascinating one. This whole Sancho thing depends on what United ask, Scott. We, we, we did a report last week about the 18-month loan, which may help facilitate someone like Dortmund do, doing it um, in terms of the, the wages that can play. The struggle to pay half his wages, that's where we're at with that. He's on a lot of money. But that's saying Dortmund aren't the only team. We're seeing the links to Juventus, which are genuine. There are teams in Syria who'd like to take him. But again, they can't pay any more than Dortmund can, really. <laughs> and, you know, unless, like, in the, unless we're talking PSG, he's not going to go there. So there's only so many places he can go. I, I think he'll go to Syria or I think he'll go back to Dortmund. I, at the moment, I think Dortmund, because I can see Dortmund behind the scenes. They are trying to make a few, a few manoeuvres, Scott, but trying to make room for him. Um, and, and back at United, yeah, um, there's no signs of the apology coming yet. We're still only on the first first November, just about now. He's got two months to apologise, and he may rekindle his United career. It looks highly, highly unlikely. But yeah, I'd say probably it's more likely at the moment, really, instead of an apology, that he might be coming back in because United keep losing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I ten, don't know. I, I know I don't, we've just said yeah, that, like that's I don't unlikely think ten, at the moment. Yeah, but... yeah, I think Ten Hag would rather play Steve McLaren than Jaden Sancho. Well, I'm, t- I'm talking about if Ten Hag isn't there anymore, but you know the pre- the pressure uh, might ramp up. I know we've just talked about it. Yeah, there should um, be a free pass, but. Possibly, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think there's little chance of, uh, yeah, we see Jane Central in red for the time being anyway. And then we'll, I think we, he will go out on loan. I think unless he decides he wants to go to Saudi Arabia, which he might, you know, he might think, oh, I'll go and play Ronaldo for a couple of years. And if that's the case, United would love it because they're selling permanently, shift his wages entirely and possibly get most of the money back on him. Well, there are a so, lot of uh, United haven't made the most of that opportunity in the market yet. You got like Rafa Varane who's on the bench the other day and like is beyond his best years. You got Casemiro who's already 
you know, signed a year ago, who, you know, is already getting criticism now for being past his best as well. Uh, but yeah, maybe. There's a, there's a lot to do at United. There's a lot to do, and some players do need to go, even if it's not in January. But one player, yeah, you'll see, and and, and the other one, obviously, who will go is probably Van der Beek. But again, that may only be alone, Scott. Yes, and Marshall, and and, the, and we do actually Marshall is the interesting one, which United don't really control Marshall's destiny because he is out of contract in summer, so he can sign a pre-contract with someone. So even if they were to sell him, you wouldn't be getting much money back on Marshall. It would be in terms of wages. But yeah, he's one to watch as well. But he he will have his own say on where we go. He'll decide because he's out of contract in the summer. So United are probably waiting to see what happens with Marshall. If he signs a pre-contract with someone, maybe he can sell him early. But it's you not know, United do have an option to trigger, a year's option to trigger on that mm. deal. But I, the amount of money is on the, the amount of minutes he plays i don't think that's a wise idea. yeah because because the money would go up as well things a lot of people forget with these contracts that people sign and it's the same with harry Maguire. they go up incrementally every year scott and people don't realize this you know if Maguire signs on 250 grand a week he, he's going to be on nearly 300 now that's the way footballers contracts work they go up incrementally that's how it works one person who will not be leaving manchester by the looks of it is kevin de bruyne he's not playing football at the moment he's out injured uh, but playing for Man City, you know, won the treble last season with them. Has achieved essentially everything you you or he would have hoped to do at City now. I know there's a Club World Cup coming up and this this kind of thing. But long term, how how long is Kevin De Bruyne going to be at Man City, Graham? Because how old is he now? I'm just going to check. 32. 32 years old, 33 at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh Fair to say his best years have gone as well, but he's been fantastic. Um, how long will he stick around? I think that's a little hard. I'm not sure his best years are beyond him because I think he's one of these players who I think he'll get deeper as he gets older. I think him slotting the ball around like someone like a Pelo and 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 he's he's contracted to City to 2025 score, but it's my understanding that he has he is considering what to do. He's seen the longevity of the likes of Luka Modric, Ronaldo, Messi. And he's in that category. He's he's a world class player. I think he's the best player in the Premier League still. I think he has a bit so more, I, more injury troubles though than those kinds of players. Not necessarily. I think um, obviously he had a hamstring injury this season, but no, no more than Luka Modric. I wouldn't say. Um, but I think he could play on. I think he's someone who you could see he, he staying at City. I don't think he's a desperate need to leave City. You know, he's not one who's been clamouring for moves to Real in, in Madrid and Barcelona at any point in his career. I think we could see him staying. There is interest in Saudi Arabia, and um, we've had that confirmed, but he, he's not in a, in a hurry to go to the Pro League. If and when he does leave City, understanding is that he'd rather go to America because he likes it over there, he likes the lifestyle, etc. But I, I think you could see him stay at Man City. My understanding is there was talk of um, contract talks being being held up, but City and De Bruyne have got such a good relationship, Scott. It's not about that. He's, they're waiting for him to come back from injury. He's looking around Christmas time, New Year, to be back from injury. They're not rushing him back. And they're going to get a fully fit Kevin De Bruyne back at the busiest time of the year. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a brilliant time for them to get a, a boost like Kevin De Bruyne. Um, so yeah, 2025 at least. I wouldn't be surprised if it's him extending this, Scott. He's, it's up to him. I think it's one of those, a bit like Gundogan and like the Silver, where City will approach this. They won't force him to stay, but they want him to stay. And, and I think De Bruyne could could still be here for quite a few more years. Unfortunately, if he was a United fan, I think you could still see De Bruyne staying for quite a few years. 
makes no difference. United aren't getting any closer to City. Anyway. <laughs> uh, who could could anyone join Kevin De Bruyne at Man City in January? Specifically, talking about a Argentine left back. Yeah, um, he's. Uh, or is it more likely to be Chelsea? Valentin Broca. That's right, isn't it? Broca. Barco. Barco. Sorry, sorry. I do get confused because <laughs> he sounds like Boca Juniors in his name. Barco. Yeah, he's well. He's, he, he does actually looks quite like De Bruyne. His flaming red hair. He is, you know, someone in uh, an Argentine scout described him as me. He's very much, very reminiscent of Zinchenko actually. But he he does play on the left. He's a left wing back. But he can come inside. And he's got a wonderful vision, Scott. He's got a wonderful pass on him, as well as being quite combative on on the left. He he looks absolutely made for Man City. He really does. He's a he's a spectacular young player, who who I like a lot. And yeah, but Chelsea are aware of him. Bright, Brighton tried to do a deal for him a few months ago. They tried to get in early. They recognised how good he was. Um, and there's been a few teams on the continent as well. Chelsea have come in. They're trying to do everything they can. He's got a small release clause, only about eight million. But I think, from my understanding, some clubs might play slightly more than that, Scott, so we don't have to pay the full full whack. So you may say a 10, 12 billion pound deal. In terms of Premier League, it's not, no money at all, is it? Do you know what I mean? It really isn't. But we expect Barco to make a decision on his future after this weekend's Cop to Libertadores final. Boca are trying to tie him to a new deal. That is possible. But, you know, when you've got Man City, Chelsea, basically he's got his pick of clubs um, to go to. Um like you wouldn't really rule Brighton out at this moment, but when you've got City there, who, and this is one place in their squad, Scott. Well, I think I think they've got they room for someone. They need someone there. Yeah. yeah, and so this guy, he he can play this um, inverted fullback role. He's special. Um, he's really good. And so don't be surprised if Barco is at City in January. Um, they're they're confident. They're leading the chase for him, and and we'll see how he plays this weekend in a couple of hours. Won't be the um. Won't be the only player that is a Premier League interest this weekend, Scott, as uh, Boca Juniors face Fluminense in the Maracanã, I believe it's in. I believe so. Let's come back to that at the end. We'll, yeah. we'll finish off with the Libertadores. Uh, Chelsea. Now, you, I believe, wrote a piece over the last few days about Chelsea's goalkeeping situation. Robert Sanchez was obviously signed... Third choice at Brighton for 20-odd, 25 million quid in the summer. Mm. That's been... I think we were talking about it at the time, Graham, that they wanted somebody else anyway. Mm-hmm. And we were a bit surprised, weren't we, that Chelsea didn't sign another goalkeeper to be their first choice. We were a bit surprised that they didn't sign a striker mm. on top of that to be their first choice. But they are still on the agenda. Um, Robert Sanchez coming up for a corner at the end of the, the game, the, the home defeat to Brentford at the weekend, caught out a little bit. Chasing back and looked a bit looked a bit desperate, um, but mm. Chelsea, fair to say, that is still a priority position for them. And who could they go after? Yeah, I think it's a priority position for ahead of next season. Not, don't necessarily think they'll do something in January because they're aware that different players are available at different times. But yeah, Sanchez was a player brought in. Remember, if we remember back to the Onana chase and some Chelsea were leading that chase for a long time Scott they were offered him and, and they wanted him and um, obviously the situation they sold Edouard Mendy to Saudi they allowed Kepa to go to Real um, and then they needed Robert Sanchez but yeah they and it's nothing really to do with Sanchez's recent performances they know what he is he's a decent Premier League keeper but he's not a, he's not a top top draw Premier League goalkeeper and they, and they know that you sign Brighton's third choice keeper you know what you're going to get really 
but yeah, it's interesting. Um, we, it's our understanding that Chelsea were represented at the weekend's game between Athletic Bilbao and Valencia. Just so happens that both starting keepers in that game are of interest to Chelsea. Long-term target, Georgie Madashvili, the Georgian number one. He's in goal for Valencia. They've liked him for a long time, Scott. They really do. Unai Simon was there as well, playing for Bilbao. I've never been convinced by him, Scott. I must admit, I'm not a huge Kepa fan. over again? Is that Kepa? Yeah, Kepa Unai Simon. I don't see it personally. I don't see it. Um, so, no, but Madashvili is a really interesting one. I think he could end up being their first choice. I think he, they've liked him for a long, long time, and he's a very good goalkeeper. They also like Diogo Costa at Porto, who is a sensei. As you know, Scott, he's been linked to United, so someone you kept an eye on. He's a wonderful goalkeeper, part of this generate brilliant generation of players that Portugal have got coming through at the moment. So, But he's not cheap. And Madis Philly, certainly not cheap, but for certainly within Chelsea's remit. The the one situation that we need to keep an eye on is Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, my understanding is that Chelsea are keeping an active watch on this situation. It, we did a piece in September that he was Ramsdale was going to fight for his position, position and he hadn't made a decision on his future. Even since then, it is now it really has clearly emerged that Rea, David Rea is the number one at Arsenal. Um and, and so Ramsdale, yeah, he is he is now considering his options, Scott. If he hasn't got his place back by January, I think he's gonna be pushing for a move. And if he's if if Arsenal make him available, there's every chance that Chelsea will snap him up. I think there's every chance. And I think this is what has put Chelsea. They, they, they're doing the due, due diligence. They've got these foreign keepers they're looking at. You know, obviously, like Jordan Pickford, but if he, if Evan don't go down, he's not leaving. So they, they know who they like. Aaron Ramsdale in the summer was not a keeper they thought they could get Chelsea. Now he is. He's very much on their radar. And I think he'd be a. You know, if Arsenal allow him to leave, and the thing is, if Arsenal allow him to leave, there's only. You know, he's a top class England goalkeeper. He's not going to move. No disrespect to a Brighton, a Brentford, someone like that, is he, Ramsdale? He's going to go to a, an Arsenal rival unless he goes abroad. And they have to let him out. They can't have him sat on the bench. He's got a big new contract. Only signed last last year, wasn't it? So keep an eye on Aaron Ramsdale and Chelsea. I think this one's got legs, Scott. I don't see Ramsdale getting back into Arsenal. And I think they're left with little option but to let him go. Whether that's in January or whether that's a summer, I think that's something that Chelsea will look at. Because I think uh, it's, we've been told Chelsea are happy to go to the end of the season with Sanchez. He won't be their long-term number one. But if, it, if if they get to January and Arsenal say, well, you can have Ramsdale, but in the summer, then I think they will wait. Just uh, to go to Arsenal, David Raya joined on loan. They've got an option mm. to buy him. Are we considering that one a formality? It seems so, you know, because... I think it's that trust factor, Scott. How can Aaron Ramsdale trust Mikel Arteta now? And you know, how can and how can Arteta trust Ramsdale? I think that relationship, I don't know, Scott, but you have to presume it must be close to breaking point. You know, he, he'll feel abandoned, Aaron Ramsdale, at the minute. I think, you know, it's not dissimilar to what happened at United where there was suddenly a keeper situation arose from the club's making. And this, I think the same thing's happened here. And I just, you know, and I think it's a worse situation in United because, yeah, Andrea Nana is better than David Rea in some aspects, not in others. I don't see where David Rea is better than Aaron Ramsdale in any aspect, Scott. I just don't see it. Maybe speaking Spanish, that's it. I, I don't see where Rea is superior to Ramsdale. And, but hey, hey, Mike Michael Teto has paid a lot more money than me to manage Arsenal. So it's his decision. 
but I think Arsenal got to um, deal with this situation pretty soon, Scott, and that will mean selling him. And I think if you look around the Premier League, there's not many places for him to go. I think Chelsea is the standout option. Villa, if they sold Martinez, but I can't see that happening. So, yeah. I think I think Chelsea might be, they landed on the feet with the manager and they might very well land on the feet with the goalkeeper. Just a talking top end of the pitch. Arsenal are one team potentially looking for a striker at some point. I know Eddie and Ketty has got a hat-trick at the weekend, but Gabby Jesus out injured at the moment. And uh, we have talked in the past about Arsenal wanting a new striker. We've also talked about Chelsea wanting a new striker as well. I think both have shown some interest in Santiago Jimenez uh, from obviously the Eredivisie. But uh, he's, he's looking like to you, Graham, one of, one of those players who is going to be the next super expensive centre-forward. Uh, Chelsea's still on the agenda for him, but they ain't going to sell him cheap. No. Um, it's my, I've, been, I've been told with Dibs this it's going to take around the Dutch record to get him. Scott with 100 million euros, which, you know, Jimenez is, is probably the one of the form strikers in the world at the moment. He's, it's it's sensational what he's doing for Feyenoord. He's doing he's doing it for Feyenoord, Scott. Where he's the big thing behind their league title win. You know he, and it's one thing doing it for Ajax and maybe PSV, but Feyenoord have come from nowhere. Annie Slot, hey, hats off to Annie Slot. He's done a wonderful job there. But Jimenez looks absolutely fabulous. I've taken an awful lot of notice of him this season. He looks so good. Yeah, I know what league he's in and. It, it's one of those, Scott, isn't it? It's when you sign a player 50, from... 50 at best, isn't it? Yeah. February, Luis Suarez is an Alfonso Alves and a Marcus Holbach, isn't it? So it's a risky take when you sign from Mira Divisi. But I I think he looks he looks stunning. I really do. And, and it's in, that, this is the thing with Chelsea as well, Scott, where one a Chelsea currently battling for... A, I don't think they're battling for a top five anymore, Scott, this season. I think if they got there, great. If you've got top six, great. I think they're already planning for the summer. I really do. I think the shoots of uh, encouragement coming up um, to what Poch is doing, that performance against Arsenal was very good, and then the lose to Brentford, shocking performance. But I think it, with Chelsea, if they think they can get Osiman, I think, again, like the goalkeeper situation, they'll wait till the summer. Um, I, I wouldn't rule them out signing two strikers in the future. I think, I think the, the Nicholas Jackson experiment... You wouldn't surprise me to see him move on next summer, but it's interesting. Santi Jimenez, yeah, one to watch out for for Arsenal as well. We know even Tony's the one who's been linked, but it, it, it's interesting. Um, Jimenez would be a lot cheaper in terms of wages than Tony, so overall, is the deal that much more expensive? Possibly not, but it's it's a fascinating one. I think Santi Jimenez come the summer will be on the agenda of an awful lot of teams. I don't see him leaving in January, Scott. Though I think you know he's playing Champions League with Feyenoord. He's going to try and help them win the league again. I don't think we'll see Jimenez leaving um, in January. We've seen reports as well that he may be available for €40 million. Euros. If, that, if that turns out to be the case, he will leave in January, Scott. But I think the chances of Feyenoord letting one of the best players in Europe leave for €40 million, Euros, I don't see it myself. Talking of players who could leave in January, Copa Libertadores, Copa Libertadores final, as we said, we touch on at the end of the show. We will do that now. We've talked about Barco already and... Uh, there are other players featuring in this game, Graham, who are on the agenda specifically. Uh, Andre Trinidad has been of interest to Liverpool. Uh, defensive midfielder. They wanted him in the summer, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's held out, wants to stay. And the reason why he was staying was to see out the campaign that is about to finish. 
So is he on the agenda to move? Yeah. And who else could be? He spoke out, he spoke out, didn't he? Um, this week, actually, he said he spoke about that move. It didn't come about and he stayed there. I think it's a, and we've reported this, and it's a huge chance that Andre turns up at Anfield in January. Scott, and he's a player to love, he's done, they've done a lot of work on him. It's, it's going to be interesting watching his final. Um, there's an awful lot of players involved who won't be on the move, Scott, because um, Fluminense, especially, they've got a very old team, Scott. Um, I, I don't know if you noticed, got Marcello at left back, who's 35. I think the goalkeeper is Fabio at 43. The whole defence is like 35. Fabio Mello, 40-year-old Fabio Mello playing at the back for them. So it's interesting. Another one I've been talking about is um, Matthias Martinelli in midfield, next Andre's midfield partner. Obviously, they won't let them both go, but he's what I keep an eye on. John Arias, the Colombian winger, being linked for Fluminense. But Bok, I think Bok have almost got a few more on the agenda of teams. Um We've already mentioned Valentin Barco. Yeah, the, and there's Ezekiel, Ezekiel Fernandez is an interesting one, um, young midfielder who will play um, the holding role in there. And obviously, Boca lost their best player, arguably Alan Varela, who who moved earlier in the year. They lost him. So yeah, Porto, but I, right? I, yeah, exactly. So I think Bar- Barco and Andre will be the main area, areas of concern. I don't know if it's on British TV this weekend. It's got anywhere. But I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. Certainly, be a fascinating. I will. I will check that out. Yeah, go on. Yeah, because it takes place. It takes place in the uh, Maracanã. It's on the the fourth um, of November. So I'm not sure when that will play out um, in terms of the British time zone. But yeah, so it's being played in Brazil. Um, I think, from what I've read, Fluminense going to the game as favourite, Scott. But. Um, I know Boca were fairly fortunate because it come through their their game with Palmeiras. No, Palmeiras literally battered them in that semi final, but they managed to get through. So it's in the final. Um, it could end a very special year for Argentina, couldn't it, Scott? If they end up winning the win the World Cup and then the Copa Libertadores, Messi's won the Ballon d'Or. Argentinian football is on a real high at the moment. If uh, Boca can manage to pull this off. Can't actually confirm where to watch that, but I'm sure if you Google it in the next couple of days, I'm sure there will be a bunch of websites, probably 90 min as well, which will tell you where you can watch that final. Uh, but yes, say, this will be Bocker's first Cop Celebratorius since 2007, Scott. The first since the um, since Diego Maradona left us as well, so that might mean a lot for them. I was just going to check to see. I, I do apologise to my Brazilian fans. Um, I don't know if ever Fluminense have won the um, Copa Sorry, Scott. Um, I don't think they have. My, my poor knowledge of um, the Copa Lusoros football would be that they haven't won it before, Scott. I don't think they have. So it would be a first-time success for, for Fluminense, Scott, if they were to win it. Um, so very interesting. Um, so both teams looking to make a bit of history. Saturday, the 4th of November, that match yeah. will take place, if you're listening in the UK anyway, I believe it's at 8, 8 p.m. kickoff. Uh, that's coming up, and there could be some players playing in that game who leave within the next couple of months, probably to Europe, possibly to some big teams in the Premier League. But that's it from us today, from Talking Transfers. Get in touch with us at double underscore Scott Saunders and at Graham Bailey on X and other social media platforms as well. Graham's threads. Uh, you're not at Graham B. Bailey on threads. That's not a thing anymore, right? Or is um, it? No, I must admit, I've been a bit um, um, to to use another one of our social media platforms. I've been a bit slack 
with threads. There you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, sorry, I do apologize. Only here problem. can you find that intelligent, quick. You know that 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 is that's some good stuff. Good chat. Uh, but nightmin.com for all the latest from us. Nightmin.com forward slash talking transfers or all the latest transfer news. A lot of stuff we've talked about today. You can read about as well in a, maybe a little bit more detail. And at nightmin underscore football, you can subscribe to the show on all your major podcast platforms: Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes and until next time next week most likely uh thanks for listening to talking transfers and we'll see you soon everyone from graham and myself have a fantastic week